So welcome to our second official podcast looking at GP planning for COVID vaccine clinics. Today I am joined by Andrew Bonney who's a GP with a couple of hats on but one of them is being a practice owner of a general practice down on the south coast of New South Wales. So Andrew do you want to tell us a little bit about your practice and the planning you're doing? Oh, thanks very much, Charlotte. Yes, yeah, so our practice is relatively small. There's three of us who are practice owners. None of us are there full-time. We usually have two registrars, typically one full-time, one part-time. Two practice nurses, sometimes they overlap, practice manager, and then three reception staff who share the hours on a roster. And we've got three consulting rooms and a nurse's room slash treatment room. The town's about 3,000 people. It's been traditionally retirement-type town, although that demographic's changed over the last 10 years to some extent. But we do have a large elderly population, a bit of a bimodal distribution, really. So we've got a large elderly population, but we also have quite a number of young families and young kids because of the sort of employment dynamics of the area, people in their middle years, so young families, growing families, do tend to move to try to find work. So we have a bit of a gap in that middle middle age group. So tell me, how many do you think you're going to need to actually, say, vaccinate in the first tranche? And what sort of planning have you gone into sort of both identifying them and getting the practice at a point of being able to do it if you were asked to? Mm, yeah, look, very good point. So the first tranche really is very similar to our flu vax, isn't it? It's a very similar kind of age group and risk profile. And so normally we would have out of a town of 3,000 and there's two practices in town with a bit of overlap between the patients. So normally we'd be looking at 500 patients. Now, we're not sure at this stage, and as far as I know, nobody else is sure either, how many more people outside of our own practice we might need to vaccinate. So, you know, we've been thinking, you know, minimum in the first tranche 600, but it could be as many as 1,000, I guess, if we have a think about the broader demographics of the region, which would look something like us doing 300 patients a week over a course of two to three weeks for the first round of immunisation. So we've done some initial work on generating some patient lists. But as I said, that's pretty, they're pretty close to the flu vax numbers for that first lot. What work have we done towards it? Well, we've really just done an assessment of our capacity at this stage. We've done some, some modelling of what we think that the patient flow might look like and what kind of staff we might need. And we've also had a bit of a look at what we think the vaccine refrigeration capacity might be as well. So that's not huge for us. I guess it just depends on how it's envisaged that the vaccines will be delivered. There's so many unknowns, of course. If they're multi-dose vials with 10 doses in a vial, that would only be 30 vials to vaccinate 300, 60 vials to vaccinate 600, which would probably do our patient base. That's about 20% of the town as well. 
So we think we're okay as far as capacity goes. Our biggest challenge really is just going to be the patient traffic flow through the practice and getting that organised. Did you want me to talk a bit about that at this stage, Charlotte? Go for it. All right. So our practice is on a corner, which is kind of nice for as far as accessibility goes. The front door just opens straight into a waiting room and then a reception area off to the left-hand side, which is now screened with glass just for um, infection safety. And then down a corridor, we've got three consulting rooms and what's currently our video consulting room because we do sort of rural practice. So we have quite a bit of telehealth consults happen in the practice. And then branching off in the other direction is our treatment room. So we think probably what we'll do is register patients at the front desk and take a seat. We'll think we can take flights of patients, let's say six up to nine patients in a flight every 15 minutes. We think, you know, if we've been good with our pre-vaccination consent process, which I'll, I've got some thoughts about. I'll take a seat and then uh, individually consented by the GP in the video consulting room because that's out of the way and meets the criteria for that. And then patients then lined up in the consulting rooms two or three at a time. At the moment, we can fit three. We've sort of come off our one per four square metres at the present time, I think. And then the immuniser, having been authorised by the GP, can then immunise the patients in the room, observe, so one, two, three, or one or two in each room, six or nine at a time, observe for 15 minutes out, and then the next flight in, which sort of ticks all of the boxes. The patient's can leave the surgery via the other side of because the practice is on a corner and you can enter or exit the practice at via two doors so we don't have to cross people over in the middle. So that's how we're thinking it's going to happen. So this is going to be run as a separate clinic to your usual business? It is. And so we'll have to sort out how we're going to do that. We would normally only open on Saturdays if we were on call for the district. And we've got a, a roster to share on call for the district. And we'd only use the surgery on a Saturday if we were on call. So certainly we'll use Saturdays. We're currently envisaging that we would also run the vaccination clinic on a Friday and either deal with problems um, in the middle of the day, probably either via telehealth or come to an arrangement with one of the other practices to see our patients on that day if there was something urgent that needed to sort out on that day. We had a bit of a discussion about that locally on Thursday night at a video conference and it seems that people would be open to that concept, a bit of sharing of that. So does that mean you're the only practice that's put in to be a vaccine clinic and they're going to be cooperative in terms of sending their patients to you? Well, no. So in our PHN, there's 200 practices and I was informed this week that 140 had put expressions of interest in. So how many of those get offered to immunise, we don't know. But we'll start having a look as soon as we know who is immunising and then we've agreed locally to start discussing. So who's doing what on what day? How can we support? See if we can provide some support across practices if that's needed. We potentially see urgent cases for someone else's practice if need be. Or potentially if we had slack resources, you know, if we had you know, maybe reception staff or someone, you know, or a nurse or someone 
might be able to help support someone else immunised. So, so will you set up a separate booking system or will it be joined into your current system? Because of our demographic and traditionally poor internet access, we don't do online booking at our place. So we just have people phone up or drop by and book. It's not a, it's not a big turnover practice. We understand in our particular situation that the online booking would in some ways disadvantage our older patients, patients with some you know, visual or dexterity issues or whatever. And that seems to work okay for us. So at this stage, we're still tossing up options with booking. And a lot of that just depends on what the Commonwealth wants us to do. If it happens that the Commonwealth says, okay, you're the guys, you're immunising everyone within 15 kilometres, then we'll change gears a bit. We'll probably have a look at some kind of online booking, but do something like a mail-out or something to our older patients, letting them know what's happening and probably just having them phone and booking appointments normally. So really, Charlotte, at this stage, that's a bit of an unknown to us. It really just depends on what our responsibility will be. Will it be mostly just to our town? Will it be more broadly? Will it be just our patients? If it's just our patients, then we'll handle the booking as we normally do, you know, over the phone. So you're sort of being flexible on that as to what you'd be asked for. And you mentioned consenting. Mm. What's going to be your process then, given you have a large number who aren't very tech savvy too? Yeah, so we've been talking about this. We think that what we'll do, and we're actually just starting to generate the mail merge list now, is as soon as we've got a user-friendly consent form, and I understand the college is working on that, We'll assemble a cover letter from us saying this is coming out. We can't tell you the exact timing, but probably sometime over the next, you know, X number of months. We strongly recommend immunisation. appears to be safe unless you've got some kind of allergy or some other direct contraindication. We'll be letting you know about when and how to book. But in the meantime, here's a consent form. Can you please have a look through this? and tick the appropriate boxes and sign it. Here's a frequently answered questions. Can you either drop the consent form into the surgery or bring it with you for your immunisation? So that's our plan at the moment, is to have the patients deal with something reasonably familiar like a letter and a hard copy consent form. Remembering, of course, it's not a big practice. It's a small locale. Most of our patients are within five kilometres of the surgery. So it's a different situation to probably most practices but that's what we're thinking we'll be doing at the moment. So you also potentially have an opportunity for sending around you know the whole information sheet to everybody and getting them to say if you want to talk about it more make an appointment to come in. Yeah we do we probably won't put that last rider in in that we just we just haven't got the capacity to answer questions at the moment so I'm thinking we might need to dedicate some time on the phone to that. So that might be something like some time put aside to answer questions on the phone rather than making an appointment, just because unfortunately, you know, most of us are booked out a couple of weeks in advance. So we just don't have appointment availability. So I have to talk through that. That's um, gave my practice manager the heebity jibbities 
just the thought of 400 people wanting appointments to discuss COVID vaccine. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I was told today that certainly the government is looking like circulating phone numbers for the practices that they allocate in the first place. So, you know, will you have enough phone lines to deal with people potentially who haven't seen you before ringing you too? So that's another thing to think about. Yeah, look, it certainly is. We'll just have to think about that. At this stage, probably no, we wouldn't have enough phone lines. We've got enough phone lines to deal with our current day-to-day business. And then if something like that was to happen, A, I would be annoyed and B, we'd have to sort out how we would manage that. Well, I think that I've covered everything for the first place. I would probably like to come back and talk to you when we are maybe a little bit closer to the process to flesh out maybe some more of the finer details. But I think that was really helpful in covering issues for a small practice like yours and the way in which you might be planning for it. That's my pleasure. Thanks, Charlotte. Thanks, Andrew.